You're listening to the Smart Women in Business podcast with Jay Mackay, episode number 54. Hello, you're listening to the Smart Women in Business podcast. My name is Jay Mackay and on this show, we talk to smart women in business all over the world about starting, building and creating the business and life of your dreams while having incredibly honest in-depth and rich conversations with amazing women in business who will inspire you to become a smart woman in business. Hello and welcome to the Smart Women in Business vlog and podcast. I'm your host, Jay McKay from Jay McKay Communications, marketing consultant and coach who works with people across the world to build the business of their dreams. Today, my guest is Julie Berninger, who is the co-founder of Gold City Adventures, which helps Gold City Ventures, which helps people create Etsy businesses selling printables. Julie is passionate about women achieving financial independence and finding paths to entrepreneurship and wealth outside of corporate. Thank you for coming on the show, Julie. Thank you for having me. So tell me about your business journey and how you got to where you are now. Sure. So I spent about 10 years in corporate America climbing the tech ladder. And it was really exciting. It brought me to the West Coast of the US where there are incredible opportunities for tech. But a couple of years back, I started to feel like there was something more outside of the nine to five. And I listened to tons of podcasts and decided, you know what, I'm going to give my hand at Etsy. I'm going to give it a try, create my own Etsy shop. But I am not talented like many of the Etsy sellers. And I do not know how to make bracelets or earrings or anything that anyone would want to buy. So I actually found the concept of printables and that's what I've specialized in and what has allowed me to leave my full-time job. Awesome. So tell me about what do you create? So I started actually, I was a handmade seller. I created temporary tattoos for bachelorette parties in the U S back a couple of years ago, people would love going to bachelorette parties and would waste so much money buying doodads <laughs> that they're for one night only, like th- completely throwaway items. And at the time I was in my twenties and I was going to a lot of them. So I got the idea to do the tattoos. But then later when I learned about the concept of printables, I realized, oh, I can still serve this market, the bachelorette party niche, but I don't have to worry about shipping things. I don't have to worry about inventory and thinking about what tattoo designs were more popular than others. I could focus on creating a digital design, something that I made on my computer I would list on Etsy and then technically like thousands of people could purchase that design from me with very little or zero action from me after I list the design. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'm going to sell bachelorette party bar crawl scavenger hunts. So when people go to bachelorette parties, they're often hitting up a couple bars. These are printable scavenger hunts that people can edit and they can put things on them like buy the bride a shot or request single ladies from the DJ and all the (laughs) usual things that people check off the box when they're on one of these events. So I switched to selling those and I just never looked back. Amazing. Amazing. It's been a long time since I went to a bachelorette party or hens as we call them in Australia. So business were constantly in evolution. So those, those signs of evolution for you, what were they in terms of how you've scaled your business and now now you're teaching people the paths to entrepreneurship. So how did that uh, opportunity come to you? Sure. So at the same time, I had started a podcast about financial independence. My husband and I had just finished off paying an incredible amount of debt. We had 100K of student loan debt between the two of us. Between We both had master's degrees. I mean, we had just really married for love and not money and we were in debt. So we paid off all that debt. And then we were like, well, what do we do now? 
we have good jobs, we have money coming in, what should we do? And that's when I discovered the concept of financial independence and investing. And this is a particular community in the personal finance world where these people want to save up as much money as they can, and they want to walk away from corporate America in their 30s. So that was our goal. So I actually started a podcast where I would interview people who would achieve financial independence in various ways at the same time that I was starting my Etsy shop with the goal of the Etsy shop to help get us to financial independence faster. We can make some money on the side. And that's where I actually brought someone on the podcast who helped me understand the opportunity with printables and it all came together. Well, my podcast listeners, they were just as jazzed about the printables concept as me. So I would get emails whenever I would have a guest on talking about printables saying, hey, this is really cool. Like, let's, you know, do you know, do you have more information? Let's do something about this. So I actually started a mastermind with my podcast listeners. I didn't have a giant podcast or anything, but there was a group of like maybe a dozen of us that wanted to start this business together. And I ended up running four masterminds consecutively in a, in a row where I wasn't saying, hey, I'm an, an Etsy expert. It was like, I'm building this alongside with you. Now, after the fourth one, and by that time, I had an Etsy shop that was starting to make sales and it snowballed into something bigger. I got to thinking, well, how instead of hosting masterminds, and, and, and I was also in the process of having my first kid and I had a lot going on with my corporate job. I said, you know, this is not very scalable. Like this is requiring me to actually get on and connect with people and push the needle forward, which was wonderful to meet with people, but it just wasn't scalable. So I actually recorded videos of myself, of how I create my printables, how I listed all the items in my Etsy shop. And it came together into this nice little tutorial package that I sold as a course. And from there, I actually did that when I was pregnant. Then I went on maternity leave And I didn't have my day job. And then I did have the baby, but I needed something to like keep me sane and also help (laughs) keep me awake at night because I was just so tired at like 2 a.m. And this Etsy thing and this business and the course, it all like jazzed me up. So I actually found a business partner and together we created Gold City Ventures, which is an online course community that helps people start Etsy printable businesses. And from now I was able to leave my full-time job and that's what I do every day. Amazing. So when you're talking about financial independence, are you talking about the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early? I happen to know about that because I work in wealth as well as having my own marketing consultancy, not managing wealth, but marketing wealth managers and all of that sort of thing. So you mentioned that people are trying to make as much money as quickly as possible. So literally people are retiring in their 30s. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit more so people who haven't been exposed to the concept? Yes. And I thought this was crazy when I first heard about it, but I was very intrigued. And actually I was intrigued enough. I booked a ticket to Ecuador to go to a conference, like not knowing anybody from a blog, sight unseen. My husband was my boyfriend at the time. We both got on flights to Ecuador, not knowing where we were going just to learn about this concept. Cause I'm like, what? Like these people are actually retiring. And when I went there, I legitimately met people. They were like 34 years old, never working again in their life, millionaires. And it totally just blew our mind. Yeah. So at the time I was lucky I had a tech job. So I, some people have to switch careers and go find something that might be a little more profitable. I, I basically had what I needed. It was just more figuring out like where to put our money and tax saving strategies, at least in the US, that's a very popular way of financial independence, side hustling, real estate. We did kind of all the different things. And while I would say we have achieved some semblance of financial independence, meaning 
with the pandemic, I, I was able to leave my corporate job. I do this passive income thing. I watch my daughter full time, which for anyone that watches their kid, you know that you do more kid stuff than you actually do work <laughs> when you're trying to do both those at once. But it's, you know, it, it totally has worked for us. Now it took us, I first went to that conference in Ecuador in 2015. So it took us like six years. Uh, so this is not something that most people do overnight, but yeah. the six years really flew by. Amazing. Amazing. So you touch on, the, you got a daughter gorgeous I have one too she's 11 now a bit more of a handful than a baby if you'll even believe that um (laughs) so how do you manage your life then as an entrepreneur you manage to take care of your daughter full-time and have this passive income how does that look for you what's a you know how does that play out so it's it is very difficult and it wasn't something that I planned very well so the day that I was supposed to come back from maternity leave and, and in the U.S we don't get much time necessarily. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but I had, I actually was lucky. My job gave me five months, which is a really incredible amount in the U S and then at the time there was some legislature that gave an additional three months in the state of Washington that I was in. So I, I was very, very lucky. That's kind of unheard of in the U S to get eight months. And my plan was I have all these businesses. I have eight months to try to get myself to replace my full-time income while, While, while having a tiny baby and getting no sleep. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it was like, it, and then also there was time I'm like wanting to do things for myself and I want to get back in shape. And there was just a lot going on. My husband and I was our first kid trying to figure out our relationship with each other as parents. I mean, it was not the best time to put all this pressure on us. And then it hit March, 2020 and the world just kind of shut down. And I, that was a time where I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I, I got to go back to my job. Like, even though I have this incredible business that's blooming and I could, I have financial independence and years of savings, like the world has not seen whatever this is recently. This is a very risky time to not have a full-time job, to Mm. walk away from, in the U.S., the issue is health insurance for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. And in my husband's job, he, he works, he was a university instructor. He's worked in personal training. It's not quite the same as having like a nine to five corporate job that guarantees your insurance. And as long as you sit in your seat, you're okay. Yeah. It, It was very different. So I kind of pushed my dream of being a corporate employee aside and my husband and I, and our then not even a year old daughter, we literally both work from home with her all day. And after doing that for a year, I was a crazy person. I'm not even going to lie. I was like a shell of my former self. I mean, if I put pants on, it was incredible day. Um, But the key to that, I would say I had a business partner. I think so many people start out in entrepreneurship alone. Yeah. It's very lonely. It's very lonely. So I had someone that I could talk with all day who as much as my husband likes to support me in the business, I mean, he doesn't care about like email sequences or <laughs> like whatever, whatever specifically I'm talking about that I needed to bounce ideas off somebody. And I had someone to split the work and my business partner is amazing. He's in a very different life stage, doesn't have kids. And the pandemic hit him a little bit differently than it hit me in terms of, you know, whatever going on. And then with my daughter, we never put her in childcare. And every time we went to do that, it was like something stopped us. So for her, she actually ended up having a febrile seizure and she's had a couple. Mm. So it's made me really not want to put her in daycare where she could be exposed to not just COVID, but like flus and things that the kids that are in daycare, they might be more likely to get a febrile seizure. Yeah. So it's just been, it's been a lot. So yeah. So that's a very long answer to your question, <laughs> but the way that I would say, and, and how to help other people who are in this, you're not alone. You can't do it by yourself. 
you have to be willing to invest money in the help that you need and you'll make more money because of that. So mm-hmm. I have a business partner. We split 50, 50. I don't get the full nut. Totally fine. We hire help. We have someone that helps us 10 hours a week. I have recently started paying a nanny to come in and help. I do cleaning service. We do lawn, we do handyman. I mean, we really shell out money and you know, for us having those years of savings that really helped. If you're someone that doesn't have that, you might need to think about your income coming in and, and be okay with putting a part of that towards help for a short period of time. And then let's see how that enables you to free up your time so that you can grow your income more. Cause I'm all about earning more. I don't think that saving more, even though I did save for financial independence, I don't think that's the path that most people can take to get to some of these incredible results. Because so many of us see um, our income as capped without seeing the opportunities that are actually there to earn more. Yes, absolutely. And I think in this current economy, there's no better time to earn money online. So the reason that I love Etsy printables, and at this point we've taken over 3000 students through our course, It's like a mini MBA almost with very little cost to the student because it's free to list on Etsy. It only costs 20 cents to list an item on Etsy. You don't have to worry about inventory. So when I did the tattoos, it was a smaller investment, but I still had to shell out maybe five or $600 to buy 2,500 tattoos. And if I made the wrong choice in terms of the design, then I was out that money. And I had a whole bunch of tattoos just sitting in a box that what am I going to do with? I still have some that actually didn't sell. Whereas on Etsy, you're making them on your computer. You can use a free program, canva.com to make them. You can find free clip art and graphics and fonts and everything to make them look cute. And it's just a really low cost thing. And And really what it teaches you is how do I find a market? How do I price my products? How do I make things that people are willing to buy? And how do I market them? And you can, you know, take that information. And if you don't want to sell an Etsy forever, you can run your own bakery. You can do anything. It's literally the same exact concept. Because mm, the principles remain the same. There's got to be demand. There's got to be, you know, people, what people are willing to pay for. You've got to be on trend, all of that sort of thing. It's really interesting, isn't it? Those universal business concepts that we can apply to every business. Absolutely. I mean, my friend, she wanted to, run a baking booth at our local town. I would call it like a farmer's market. Yeah. And I found myself asking her questions like, well, what, what do you want to sell? And I realized it's the same thing as Etsy. So she shouldn't stock up on brownies if everyone wants to buy pumpkin spice muffins. It's And there's ways that you can use keyword research tools and go on Facebook groups and find out from other bakers what's selling before you spend all that time or all that money and investment. Now she was like, okay, hold on, Julie. This is just an idea. You got to take it back 15 steps because I was like spitballing all the time. Yeah, I her baking do that business. Friends are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, they're like, okay, calm, calm, calm down. Yes. <laughs> it's great to have those people in your life that are not entrepreneurs that can bring you back to reality. But sometimes you just go off on your, you know, idea rocket ship and they're like, all right, back to earth here. We're just hanging out, chill out. But uh, my friends have been very supportive, actually. So they, they were one of the first people to take the course because I wanted to make sure that the course could help people that have no experience. And that was the biggest thing. Like people are afraid, well, I'm not good at tech or I'm not a graphic designer. So why would I ever be able to make something that someone would buy? The truth is you would be shocked that 
You don't have to be that good. People will buy. I mean, the bachelorette party niche was perfect because all that stuff is so gaudy and bright and like, you don't need to be a gra- graphic designer to get people to buy things in that niche for sure. No. And there's tons of niches like that. Yeah. Yeah. You've just got to find it and go with it. Yeah. So, so what does a great day in the off in the office look like for you? How do you spend your time actually dropping in and out of your business? So uh, my husband and I have to manage the calendar between the two of us. And now that um, our daughter is now two and a half, she's doing a well, little more. Well, that's a good activity. age. <laughs> yes, it's a great age. And she, yeah. she's starting to get more independent. So we are starting to pencil in like different activities for her too. But for me, I think the morning is really about connecting with my business partner to make sure that we're on the same page regarding things. And we're at the scale in our business now that we have to start outsourcing and delegating. So actually we have a group Slack channel with our company and we have content managers and we have people that they are virtual assistants that make products for us. And we really have, we have a um, developer who's kind of like a consultant that helps us with tracking and systems and things like that. So I guess I would say I'm more of the manager than the doer, but for myself, I like connecting with the students and I like writing the content in the emails because it's sort of cathartic to me, I guess. And it's the personal story. So I I do include time in my day to still do that. We do like Facebook lives in our membership community where we answer questions. And and sometimes I'm uh, giving sort of like one-on-one feedback to students too. So I still keep that despite trying to delegate everything else. Yeah, there's, there's, it's the elevating, we start off in business doing everything and then getting to the point where you can elevate yourself to take yourself off the tools. You don't have to delegate everything. Um, you can keep the bits that you find fun and that keep your personal connection to the business and, and you know, mm-hmm. your genius is why people buy into your business. So having you there and available is, is part of the appeal, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that there, and actually I just joined a mastermind where you're sort of sold to the, from the owner, but then you move on to the coaches. And actually that model, it does intrigue me. I'm interested in that model because Mm -hmm. I, maybe the first day I'm like, wait, where is she, where is she, where is she? But then I kind of fell in love with the coaches. I'm like, oh, these coaches are really cool too. Yeah. It's interesting. It is a, it is a model I'm getting more exposed to as I'm sort of going up through I guess, through my own digital sort of evolution in terms of how I approach masterminds. And um, I still have my personal small ones, but yeah, the bigger ones, it's interesting. You get the second tier who are just as well qualified and often personality match can be different as well, which is really interesting. So you, you mentioned Slack. So what other programs and tools do you and your team use to be effective and efficient in business and productive? Uh, okay. So while coming Slack from tech is, space, <laughs> yeah, Slack is definitely the main one. I think maybe, and of course we have an email software like ConvertKit. We use, we've used lead pages, click funnels, all of the sales page software that possibly exists. We have, we've advertised on every platform, Quora, LinkedIn, Snapchat to Facebook, Pinterest, all of those things. I think maybe what most people aren't doing that we kind of leveled up this year with the help of our consultant Um, Larry Ludwig is our consultant that we're working with. He helped us introduce Woopra, which is a very expensive analytics platform. It's like $1,000 per month, but it kind of helps you put touch points on every element of your business. Mm. And that's been really exciting to see, okay, well, the customer journey. I mean, I have an idea of where customers are coming from because I can see where the last referral is because we do have an affiliate program. But I had no idea that, you know, they're looking at these eight other things 
before making the decision to join the course. And that was kind of eye-opening. And sometimes you got to um, pay for a little bit of expensive help through software and in consultants who specialize in this in order to get there. But it really does amplify how you can get in touch with those customers. It's mind-blowing some of the stuff that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the same thing can apply. I mean, from these lessons that we're learning with our business, we're applying it to our Etsy shops and our course as well. And the idea that, and I love this being a parent, I don't want to waste my time creating anything that won't make money. Like it's in some ways at the beginning, it was like an escape. I mean, I would go and run in circles if I could have two hours to myself sometimes, but you know, I I love for the business stuff. I don't want to create a product that's not going to sell. And that's something that I think elevates our course over some of the other ones out there is just, we're coming from a place of keyword research and we use like five different tools in order to make sure that this exact printable is going to have a market and is going to make a sale quickly and doesn't have much competition and is hitting up all the key features that people are searching for. And we can tell because we have all these different tools that, that help us spy on you know what's going on, what's selling for other people, et cetera. So that's kind of how we approach it. Some people may feel like it strips the fun or the spirit out of it. But for me, I'm that kind of analytical, sciencey nerd type person. So I love the data. Give me the numbers. That's what yeah. I want to see. Um, I, I'm not necessarily one that's like, I'm a super creative person. And this is what was in my heart that day. That, that's not me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super creative, but marketing is all about making data-driven decisions. And I am a total data geek. Like, I, I don't, you can do what you want, but unless it's you've got the data there, it ain't going to fly. Like, nope. you're not going to get it past me. Sorry. <laughs> so one of the things that affects every entrepreneur I know at some stage of their journey is imposter syndrome. So what are your methods to overcome the bad days in business? Hmm. I think, the, I mean, for me, imposter syndrome, I've definitely felt that. I mean, in, in, if anything, I felt that more being a woman in tech because there was a certain point where I'm literally the only person I'm in a group of guys. When I yeah. moved out to Seattle and had our baby, my baby shower, I couldn't have a female baby shower. Like I had a co-ed baby shower because all of my friends from work were guys. And I hung out with a lot of coworkers because we all moved to the city and it was just the way it was in tech. So hmm. that's where I felt like imposter syndrome the most. But then when in my business, this really felt like a chance. And what I love about entrepreneurship I mean, it's up to me. If, if, if in tech I had a good idea and everyone thought it was a bad idea for whatever reason, that felt very discouraging. But here I own my good ideas and I own my bad ideas and it's all my fault or it's all my, all my win with my business partner, of course. So that's kind of how I've, I've felt more about it. But I think my current thing is just over time and mm. I'm a very ambitious person. I mean, I can, I have these huge dreams of where I want my business to go, but I also have to be accepting of where I am at this season of life. And I have a two-year-old that we want to have more kids. So I, I can do it all by delegating, but maybe my journey won't be as fast as it could have been if I had done this five years ago, being, being honest. So more, it's like accepting uh, my current stage of life is more what I'm struggling with than imposter syndrome. Interesting. Interesting. And it is so hard when your kids are little, you don't realize before you have them, how much time they require from you <laughs> you think they're gonna nap yeah. and do this and do that they don't, they don't. sleep no. when the baby sleeps <laughs> exactly I don't know. And who never said that if you have like an, a thing planned during nap 
today my daughter decided she's not napping today. Yeah. And my husband and I were scrambling like that was supposed to be our two hour get thing done time. But where to go? She's not napping. She's got zero interest in falling asleep. So, yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy. But, you know, this, this parenting journey has been incredible, too. So we're really mm-hmm. glad we went down it. I mean, we love our daughter. She's our, our whole world. But just for our own career aspects, we've had to think think differently about it. Now, I still don't. I still believe that women or parents can do it all. I still think we can. But yeah. Like you have to hire, you have to delegate. My husband and I, we still fight over who mows the lawn. He wants to mow it, but I'm like, no, we literally don't have the time. I know it's ridiculous that it costs this much to have someone mow the lawn, but that's an hour that we desperately need. So that's how we're handling it. And that's, we all, we all walk our own path, you know, and, and that's, that's parenting. You just muddle your way through really. None of us know what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think this is a given, but how do you maintain your sense of community? I think you've answered this question, but. Uh, Okay. So, well, I guess the biggest maybe thing that I've become good at, and this is absolutely how our business has grown so fast. So Gold City Ventures is a a large company for a company. I think I saw that I'm at the level of only 2% of female business owners have achieved this much revenue in a year in the US, which is cool. I, I saw that and I was like, whoa, okay. But the reason is through collaboration. And I did this when I was like rocking my daughter at night at 2 a.m. I'm constantly on Instagram, messaging people, cold message. I'm joining people's email lists, responding to their emails. I'm taking other courses and I'm being everyone's best student because I know for myself as a course owner, our best students work for us now. Our best students, we help them launch courses. It's how you can kind of get seen with the people that you want to get to know or podcasting. I had a podcast for two years. I invited people on. We, I met these incredible people through that. And actually my business partner, we had each other on each other's podcasts and that's yeah. how we started this company together. So that type of like prospecting, I guess, or networking, I I'm constantly doing that. I don't see always other business owners doing that, or there's like a, a scarce, like a scarcity mindset where maybe it feels like they're, oh, this person is my competition because we sell yeah. to the same audience. Whereas to me, I'm like, you have the audience I need. Fantastic. Let's just do a little swip, swip, like flip flop. And maybe my product fits yours and your product fits mine. And we're going to work together and make even more money and help even more students together. So yeah, that's kind of my thing. I guess it's something I'm always doing, constantly doing throughout the day. Awesome. And, and I think that seeing people in your niche and your vertical, whatever, as your collaborators and not your competitors is really key to actually finding happiness and having a business as well because you're not constantly going, they're going to steal my stuff, they're watching me, you know. It's not how it works because everyone has a unique business. So what's your why? What keeps you motivated? Um, I think going back to the whole financial independence thing, I mean, it's, it's a little more than money now, but I was starting to think about the impact that I wanted to make in my life. And I know when we're little in school, you read about all these famous people. Well, I don't necessarily have an interest in being famous so much that people would read about me in a school book, but I like the idea of impacting a small group of people's lives. And when I was podcasting and interviewing people about financial independence, I was sharing with my listeners good information that would help them achieve things that they wanted to achieve in their life. And now through the course, we're helping people. A lot of people are people in the exact same life situation as me. They have kids, they want to make extra money. They want to help, 
you know, they'd, they'd be thrilled to have an $1,000 a month side hustle that mm. is set it and forget it, essentially, which is what really Etsy is. You just have to answer people's questions. But once you make the printables, you list them, you can really just let them kind of sit. I actually took six months off this year when I moved, which was incredible. So some of my students, I have gotten to know them over the couple of years we've done this. And, you know, I have students that they've made $150,000 on Etsy, were able to leave their full-time job. Mm. That blew my mind. I've never made $150,000 on Etsy, but the fact that you know, there are people that just, they love this and they, they really like take their content in and they go all out with their Etsy shop. And it's kind of allowed them to in some ways impact their life. So I'm never going to be a famous person or want to be, but I guess if like I've impacted a small number of people in my thirties, I'll feel like it's a, and had a good family life. I'll feel like it's a life well-lived, I guess. Mm. And it is having a fulfilling life and a contented life really ultimately that we're after. Yeah. It's not like a certain monetary number, which I thought it was when I was in my twenties. It's kind of like a good blend, happy family for me. And, you know, it it made an impact on some people's lives. So the idea that maybe in the pandemic, it was really tough, but I was able to help people leave their day jobs or help their families make extra money when things got tough. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. So I hold that with me. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. So what are your tips for all the smart women of business? across the world I used to say in Australia but you know this is this has got bigger than that now so I think pick one thing and dive really deeply into that thing like niche down and I know I used to be like this and I see a lot of people that are coming through my ecosystem like this where the shiny object syndrome where it's like I want to sell on Amazon I want to sell on Etsy I want to be a life coach I want to start a blog and then you never actually kind of achieve all of them all the way through. And I think it, it literally takes like at least a year or sometimes mm-hmm. multiple years to, to grow your business. Um, so you got to commit to one thing, like as deeply learn everything about it and just dive into it. So that's what I like about the Etsy business, even though I mentioned before, it's kind of like a mini MBA, it may seem silly to sell printables, but let's say that you chose a niche, um, one niche that I'm in right now, I sell printables for realtors. And in the pandemic, everyone was buying a house, selling a house or wanting to become a realtor. So I sell like branding templates that help realtors just look better in front of their clients. They can send like a house hunting guide or they can send a listing presentation of whatever houses are for sale that they're going to show them that day, et cetera. But like by diving in and learning what do realtors want? Oh, they, why didn't this product sell? I thought they wanted a house hunting guide. Oh, well, these are the things that they need on a house hunting guide. And well, how do I I talk to a realtor? Like, how do I figure out what they need? All these things. That's what I was saying before. You can just really dive deep in something and you can apply it to anything later on down the road. So my one piece of advice would be just like, go as deep, as niche down as you possibly can learn everything about your target customer and what they need and make sure it's a niche that's profitable because Mm. you can do a niche that people don't want to spend money in. But you know, the the realtor one was good because it was popular with current events and people are willing to spend money to make money because they think they're going to make money as realtors, uh, which they were in the pandemic. So, so yeah, are I mean, over here. yeah, it's the right, it's the right, you know, niche, the right potential, et cetera. So a little like, and a little Etsy business is a cheap way to do it. But if you're doing it, whatever business that you're in, uh, go really deep to learn about your customer. Mm. And that's the number one rule of marketing, I reckon. And that yeah. is, it feels boring and people skip over it, but it really isn't. It's really important. So awesome. So how can people find out more about you and your work, Julie? Great. Well, if you want to learn more about my Etsy shop 
course and templates. We have templates and all these offerings. Then you can go to goldcityventures.com. We have a yep link to that. And we also have a free ebook that I can give out that I can give you the link to include in the show notes as well. It's called the seasonal product secret. And it's about how to create 12 months of printable ideas that are, would be a hit, you know, depending on holidays or upcoming events or whatever. And it talks about one particular tool. I mentioned all this keyword research. There's one tool that really is a good tool for e-commerce. So you'll want to get that ebook to learn how to use this free tool in order to get ideas. And even if you don't want to start an Etsy business, you can always add digital product offerings to anything. If you're a blogger, if you have your life coach, or if you're whatever business you have, you would be shocked. Um, people love freebies, templates. They make great lead magnets. I think learning how to use Canva, learning to create a printable is kind of like a key small business 101 rite of passage. Yeah. So happy to help you guys out with that ebook. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Julie. Yeah, it was so great to connect. And if anyone wants to connect, I'm also on Instagram at Millennial Boss. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Smart Women of Business podcast. If you'd like access to the show notes, please visit my website, jamemckaycommunications.com.au forward slash blog. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, keep on being a smart woman in business.